0: Praise the Lord. That first song that they sing, at the end of it, that song encourages us to tell the world of the treasure we found. I love that. You know, that's what Jesus ought to be to you if you really know him. A treasure. A treasure is something that's special to you. A treasure is something that you hold dear to your heart. A treasure is something that... Um, means more than anything to you, and that's what he ought to be if you really know him. I'm telling you, folks, I went for years knowing about him, but I didn't know him. I went for years going through the motions of what I thought a good little boy or a good Christian ought to be, but I didn't know him. But when he became real to me, he became my treasure. I tried religion. It gave me no peace. There was no contentment in it. There was no joy in it. It was drudgery. I I got tired of it. I I was done with it. I tried to do things my own way and please myself with all the pleasures of the world. and, And that didn't do it for me. But I'm going to tell you something. When Jesus found me, it changed everything. He became my treasure. I can tell you how good he is. I truly know what peace really means. How the Bible says we can know peace that passes all understanding. I I know what that means now. I know what the Bible's talking about when it says joy unspeakable and full of glory. I, I know what that means now. I know what the Bible's talking about. When it's talking about living a life of purpose, I, I know what that means now. All because of him. Not because of church membership or 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 anything else, but because I know him, and he's become my treasure. He's broke the bondage of sin that had me, had a stronghold and a stranglehold on me. And praise the Lord, he set me free. Ain't he good? Oh, he's good. Listen to me. I believe what John chapter number eight and verse number thirty two says. John eight thirty two and going through verse number thirty six, Jesus said, If you know the truth and you continue continue in my truth, then it'll set you free. And then he says in John eight thirty six, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. If you believe it, say amen. He brings freedom from the bondage of sin. And for that, I am absolutely, eternally grateful. I'm thankful that He has taken care of the sin that had, uh, like I said before, a stranglehold and a stronghold on my life that I couldn't break myself. I'm thankful that He's forgiven me and He's made me right. He's justified me uh, in the eyes of God the Father. Not because of who I am, but because of who He is and what He's done. I praise the Lord for that. I'm so thankful for that. But let me tell you what I also believe. Not only does the truth of, what, of who Jesus is and what God's Word says, not only does it break uh, the bondage of sin in my life, but let me tell you what else it does. It gives me instruction on how I am to be what God has created me to be. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 16. Brother, if you will, please put that on the screen for me. I want, I want you to be turning your Bibles to Proverbs chapter number 1. But 2 Timothy chapter 3, look how the Bible says this. Verse number 16. All Scripture, everybody say all Scripture. Not some Scripture, not most Scripture, but all Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, is given by inspiration of God. That means it's inspired by God the Holy Spirit and written down by men. Then it says it's given for the purpose of doctrine, first of all. Now, we know doctrine is to, is what we believe and why we believe it. How many of you know this morning that what we believe ought to be what God's Word says. That becomes right doctrine. See, I don't believe like I believe because it says so in the Southern Baptist State Convention uh, handbook. I don't believe what I believe because somebody's told me that's what I ought to believe. I want to believe what's right according to the Word of God, and if I'm not believing according to the Word of God, what I'm believing is not right. So we got to get hold of right doctrine. That's what that's talking about. Then it says for reproof. Reproof is it lets us know what's wrong. And then correction. It tells us how we can get right. Amen? And then it says for instruction in righteousness. It instructs us on how to live righteous lives, on how to live lives pleasing unto the Lord. The Word of God gives us instruction on what it means to be good fathers and good husbands, good wives and good mothers, good witnesses, good preachers, good uh, uh, Sunday school teachers. It gives us uh, all kinds of instruction on what it means to live lives pleasing unto Unto Him. If you want to find instruction for your life, you look no further than the Word of God. And that's why I believe in the systematic teaching of God's Word. Above everything else, it's what changes hearts. The truth of the Word of God, coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit, is what sets us free. Can you say amen? And so we got to keep that up. How do we do it? Well, I I try to do it two ways around here. First of all, I try try to uh, uh, expositionally teach through or preach through the Bible. And what I mean by that, when I'm talking about expository teaching and preaching, is verse by verse, chapter by chapter, straight through the Word of God. Again, we do that on Wednesday nights. A lot of times I'll do that on Sunday morning. Not all the time, but uh, usually on Sunday morning, I move to more of a topical approach. We we expository go through the Word of God, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, On Wednesdays, but on Sundays, we usually choose topics that really impact our lives, each and every one of us. That's why a few weeks ago, or a few months ago now, I talked to you about harmony in the home. And we spent about six weeks talking about how we are called to be godly husbands and godly mothers and and godly fathers and godly wives. And, And what that really means according to the Word of God and then how we come together to make it all work. Because folks, I believe the only way we can make a true and lasting difference in the world that we live in, listen, it's not changing what's going on in the White House, it's changing what goes on in my house. And changing what's going on in your house. Because the family is the foundation of every society. And when the foundation begins to crumble, then the society will soon follow. That's what we're seeing all over our nation right now. And so if I'm going to make a real difference as your pastor, it's got to start with me in my home. And it's got to start with you in your home if we're really going to make a lasting difference in the world that we live in. So we moved on from our immediate family, that Harmony in the Home series, to the last three or four weeks we've been talking about our church family and what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. We talked about the miracle of the church. We talked about the method of the church. We talked about the mission of the church. How many of you are thankful this morning, folks, that Jesus Himself said He will build His church? Praise God, I am so thankful for that. That that takes a lot of pressure off me. He does the saving work. He adds to the church such as should be saved. Now, He lets me be a part of it, and He lets you be a part of it, and that's fantastic. And he even gives us the power through the person of the Holy Spirit to accomplish His work, His mission. But He's doing the work. He will build His church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I read just a few years ago, I was uh, just doing a study on... Um, what it meant to be a humanist and what it meant to be a materialist and because and, and, uh, that's what I see a whole lot being taught in our world, materialism and humanism and how that uh, man is the end-all, be-all. Well, that's not what God's Word says. Can you say man? And we—and a lot of the reasons why we are where we are today is because man thinks they're the end-all, be-all. And so I was, I was looking at some of that, and I, and I found out at the turn of the 19th century a lot of people said the church will soon fizzle out and die because there was a whole lot of humanistic teaching. There was a whole lot of, of materialistic teaching on, on how that uh, there, there is no God and that matter came from itself and how that really uh, caused a lot of people to fall away from the faith. And they said it won't be long, there won't be any church, we'll have no need for God. Well, let me tell you something. The humanist and the materialist that was preaching and teaching that junk all the way back at the turn of the 19th century, they've long since died and the church is alive and strong and listen to me, marching on for the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. A few years ago, um, we heard in, in 2020 when, at the, when all this COVID stuff started and churches were shutting down, this is the end of the church. We'll never see the church like it was before. Folks, I don't believe that at all. COVID will come, and just like every disease, COVID will go. But I'm going to tell you this, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ will remain. I'm talking about the true church. I'm talking about the blood-bought, born-again believers. If there's one thing I am thankful for, a lot of what's happened through this disease, is it's weeded out some who said they were one thing but showed to be something else. That's not a bad thing. It's really not. I'm just trying to tell you the church will remain. I'm thankful for that. This morning I want to move on from those topics. And I want to talk to you this morning on the toughest job that you'll ever love. The toughest job you'll ever love. I want to talk to you today about parenting with a purpose. For the next two weeks we're going to be looking at that at least. And then after that, we're going to be talking about the rapture of the church and what the Bible says about it. So you'll be praying about those upcoming services. But this morning, I want to give you some uh, some advice straight from the Word of God. I'm talking about some biblical instruction straight from God's Word that will help us be parents that we want to be, that God wants us to be, and our kids need us to be. Amen. And if you want to find out what it means to be a parent who's parenting with the right purpose, you look no further than the Word of God. What is our purpose as parents trying to raise our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? What is our main goal, or what should be our main goal? Let me, let me tell you this, folks my main goal for my kids is not that they be wealthy, it's not that they be successful, it's not that they be famous. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not against them being any of those things. Matter of fact, I'd rather them be wealthy than not wealthy. I think it's a lot 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 easier in life if you've got money. If you don't have money, so I want I want them to make all the money they make. I want them to be successful. I'd rather them be successful than not successful. Amen. So please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying I don't want them to do well financially, socially. I'm not saying I don't want them to do well in whatever field that they choose to go into. I want them to be top of their class in everything they do. Nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that's not my main goal. Because if we accomplish all of those things but we miss the main goal, then we've missed it all. Let's say that I teach my children how to grow wealth and they become multi-millionaires, but I don't teach them how to follow Jesus. What's it going to matter if they make all the money in the world and die and go to a devil's hell? What's it going to matter? Listen, if I teach my children what it means to be successful and how to climb up that social ladder every wrong and, and do what they need to be to get on top of their game and get promotion after promotion after... If I teach them to do that, but I don't teach them to follow Jesus, what's it matter? Because in a hundred years, it's not going to matter what my bank account statement says or what their bank account statement says. It's not going to matter what position I hold in my company. In a hundred years, what's going to matter? The only thing that's going to matter... Is do they know Jesus as their personal Savior? That's it. Now I'll tell you this. I know a whole lot of multimillionaires who are absolutely miserable because they got a whole lot of money but know Jesus. I know some multimillionaires who have a whole lot of money and are have the joy of the Lord peace that passes all understanding, and really know what life is all about. They know the purpose God has called them to because they know Jesus. So I'm not saying I'm against all of those things that we sometimes label as being successful or unsuccessful. I'm not against that. But my main goal and my main purpose, and listen, your main purpose and your main goal should be to teach your children what it means to follow Christ. I want my kids to have an intimate relationship with Jesus. I want to see them living out their faith. Now, there's no guarantees in this. Y'all know it, don't you? The truth is, I know a lot of godly people who's got some wicked kids. Grew up in church. Went their own way and done their own thing. Let me tell you something. Parents, all we can do is what we do. There comes a time. There comes a time when they've got to make their own decision. But, I want to do all I can while they're under my roof to teach them what it means to follow Jesus. I believe, I'm trusting, that if, listen to me now, if I do my part, I'm believing God will do His. Amen? So that's what we got to do. How do we do it? I want to give you uh, about five things this morning, straight from the Word of God, straight from the book of Proverbs, the book of Wisdom, on what it means to raise up children with a uh, godly purpose, uh, the purpose that God has for each and every one of us as parents. So look with me please, Proverbs chapter number 1, and I want to start in verse number 7. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord, how many know if your kids don't know to fear Jesus, to fear the Lord, then they'll never have any true knowledge or wisdom. And they're only going to know to respect and reverence and fear the Lord if they see that in my life, if they see that in your life, parents. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace under thy head, and chains about thy neck. Now keep your place there in Proverbs chapter 1, and flip over with me to Proverbs chapter 20. Watch what this says. Proverbs 20 and verse number 7. The just man walketh in his integrity. The just man walks in his integrity, and his children are blessed after him. Does everybody see that? I love that. That is a promise, I believe, from the Word of God. If you and I, as husbands and fathers, and you wives and mothers, if we walk with integrity, the Bible is saying that our children will grow up and follow after us. What, it, what it's telling us is they need a godly example. That's my first point. We need to give our kids a, a godly example of what it means to follow the Lord. We've got to do that. We must do that according to God's Word. Let me say this to you. Do you know that your your kids and my kids learn a whole lot more from my life than they do my lips? Dr. Chuck Swindoll is one of my favorite writers. And this is what He says, He says, most of what your children learn from you, it's caught. It's not taught. They see it in your life. Heard a story one time about a mama who was fixing Thanksgiving dinner, her and her daughter. And whenever she got the the ham out to cook it, she set it up on the counter and she took a big butcher knife and she cut off the end of the end of the ham and stuck it over in the uh, pan to cook it and slid it into the oven. And the daughter's sitting there watching her mama do this. She says, "Mom, why do you cut the end off the ham every time you stick it in the oven?" She said, "Well, I really don't know. I just what my mama always did. What I saw her do." So she, she said, "I tell you what, let's call Grandma up and we'll just ask her." So she called grandma up. She says, Mom, let me ask you something. Whenever you were cooking Thanksgiving dinner and they got time to cook the ham, why'd you always cut the end off of it before you stuck it in the oven? She said, Well, I really don't know. I said, what my mama always did. She said, I tell you what, let's call you grandma. So they called great-grandma. She's still alive. She picks up the phone, she says, Mom, I want you to know I want to know something. When you were cooking Thanksgiving dinner, and before you stuck the ham into the oven, you'd always cut the end off of it. Why would you do that? She said, does it make it taste better? Does it make it cook better? I mean, why would you do it? She said, no. I just didn't have a pan big enough to hold the ham. Now, all that time, all that time, they had been missing out on all that good ham that was getting cut off just because the pan wasn't big enough. But because mama and daughter and granddaughter had saw how that worked, the example of their, their mother... That's what they continually did, and folks, that is true for us as believers. They are watching what we do and they follow our example. If you believe it, say Amen. Uh, George Strait sang a song years ago talking about "I see my father in me," and that's how it ought to be. Y'all remember that song? I, there's a lot of truth in that song, man. I, I look, but I see my life now and and how I deal with my children and and, and the things I do. Now, I look back and see, that's the things dad used to do way back when. And I didn't even mean for that to happen, but I see how much of an example he was for me. I see how much of an influence he had on my life, and that's the same for me as I'm raising mine. Now, listen to me. I want you to get a hold of this. Having told you all that, it might have made you feel just a little bit nervous, did it? Because it does mean. See, I know my children are a great blessing, but I also know they're a great responsibility. And if there's one thing that scares me to death, it's leading them in the wrong direction. I was telling a brother just the other night, I told him, I said, you know what, I pray all the time. Lord, I just hope I don't mess my kids up. Don't let me mess them up, God. I don't don't want to mess up. I I want them to follow you. I want them to know you. I want them to experience a real relationship with you. Don't let me somehow messed that up. And gosh, I've messed up so many times. How about you? It here have never messed up as a parent. I didn't think so. There are no perfect parents. <laughs> to say that you need to leave them, show them a godly example, I'm not saying that you need to pretend to be perfect. For when you pretend to be perfect in front of your kids, they know you lie, and you'll look like a phony. You really will. You ain't got to pretend perfection. They already know you're not perfect. What they want for you is not perfection. What they want from you and what you need to give to them is just being real. Now, what I mean by that: if you mess up, say you messed up. Please ask my children after service. There's been many times I just had to come to them and say, Look, I've blown it. I'm sorry. Th- this was wrong what I said, or this was wrong what I did. I shouldn't have done that. I tell Anna Kate all the time, I-, I apologize to her. I say, Honey, I'm sorry for a lot of the things I did when you was younger. I- I'm older now, and I'm just a better parent. I do not know what I was doing then. I still don't know a whole lot of what I'm doing, but I sure didn't know way back when. I was just learning this thing. A lot of this that we're learning, we learn by trial and error, don't we? Yeah, we get instruction from the Word of God. We get instruction from good, godly people which gives us good, godly wisdom. That's all well and good. But I'm going to tell you, a lot of this is trial and error and we learn as we go. The only bad thing is by the time we start to get some of this stuff figured out, our job is over. I mean, I've been working 18 years almost at this now and you know, she's getting ready to go out on her own in, in the next 15, 20 years. And, and, and my job's almost coming to an end. I wish I had more time. You, you see what I mean? So we, we've got to give our kids a, a godly example. Just be real with them. It's so very important that we do it. They, they'll learn things from you that they aren't going to learn anywhere else. They'll learn things from you they're not, they're not going to learn at school. Let let me tell you this, parents. They'll learn things from you that they're not going to learn at Sunday school either. First and foremost, the home is the place where we teach our children. Yeah, we want to give them truth here at the church as long as we got them. But we only got them three hours a week if you're faithful enough to bring them three hours a week. That's all we got them. The primary learning center for what it means to be a follower of Christ has to come from the home. See, they're not going to learn character at school that's taught at home they're not going to learn courage at school usually they they learn that they don't they, they don't know how to stand up for what they truly believe in just by looking at their peers a lot of times because we we live in a people pleasing society that's why our lives are controlled by lots that's what these kids see a lot of what they do is controlled by how many people will like a picture on instagram or on facebook or whatever else you're looking at And so a lot of times they don't know how to stand on their own two feet for what they really believe in because we're so used to pleasing others. So they're not going to know courage unless we teach them. They're not going to know character unless we teach them. They're not going to know contentment unless we teach them. They're not going to learn self-control unless we teach them. They're not going to learn patience unless we teach them. We've got to teach them these things. And they learn it at home by our example. Now we're not perfect at it, but hey, At least we can be real, can't we? They'll respect realness. They need a godly example, but let me tell you something else they need. Unconditional love. Unconditional love. Let me give you Proverbs chapter number 4. And let's look down at verses 1 through 4. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 1. Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding for I give you good doctrine forsake ye not my law. So the, the dad is giving them some laws some do's and don'ts in his house. How many know that's important dads? They need some, some laws in the home do's and don'ts. That's all well and good but that's not all they need. Let me give you something else that uh, Chuck Swindoll always said that I love. He said that rules without relationship lead to rebellion. That's good. If you just all-time spitting rules, but you never show your children love and have a relationship with them, that's going to cause them to want to rebel against everything you say. However, if you have relationship and you give rules out of respect and love, they'll walk in obedience more often than not. Not in perfection, but as a pattern. Are you getting me? So watch this. Watch what he says. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. For I was, in my, I was my father's son, tender, only... Everybody say beloved. He's the one they loved. He knew that he was loved by his mama and his daddy. Are you seeing that? Do, do your children know you love them? Do you tell them that you love them? You need to. You need to. It's so vitally important. More, more, more important than that, do you show them that you love them? Do you? You need to. We've got to, verse 4. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. They need laws, the do's and the don'ts in the home, but they also need love. They need unconditional love. Let me tell you what unconditional love doesn't look like. A lot of people think unconditional love is giving them whatever they want. Let me tell you something. Unconditional love is not about giving them what they want, but what they need. And the truth is, what they need is not always what they want. What they want, many times, most of the time, especially when they're kids, they want what pleases the flesh, what pleases their buddies, what pleases the crowd they run with. They want those things, but that's not always what they need. It's very hard, many times, to give them what they need when they're asking for what they want. It's tough. They want to go somewhere and they say, well, Dad, can I go here or there? And you as a father or mother, you don't think that that's the place they need to be going, that that's not going to be God-honoring in any way. And you say, no, you can't do that. Well, so-and-so's doing it. This one's doing it and that one's doing it. Why can't I do it? And what they want is to do what pleases themselves and their circle of friends, which is really their world when they're kids. And it's hard to say, no, that ain't what you need. It's tough. Again, this is the toughest job you'll ever love, but it's a tough job. It really is. See, it's not giving them what they want, but what they need. Listen, unconditional love is about not always agreeing with what they do, because we can't do that. But we must receive them for who they are. Does that make sense to you? I tell my kids all the time, I'm not always going to agree with what you do and I don't always agree with what they do. But I'll tell you this, they're always going to be mine. Regardless of what they do, they're, they're always going to be mine. I'm always going to love them. Unconditionally. Just like I don't always do what God my Father wants me to do, but He tells me He still loves me. He's a perfect picture of what a father ought to be. And so, I don't always agree with what they do, but I receive them for who they are. Now, now let me give you a few practical ways, at least three things that will help you show unconditional love to your kids. James Dobson is one of my favorite writers when it comes to parenting, the family. He has a radio show daily called Family Talk that you need to listen to if you're not. It's fantastic. I love this brother. But he he says this. He says that children spell love differently than us. Children spell love T-I-M-E. Whatever you choose to spend your time on is what they see you loving. Now, let me tell you something, dads. I know we've got things to do. We've got jobs to go to, a living to make. And we need to go to those jobs and make that living. That's your responsibility. You ought to do that. Nothing wrong with that. But I want to tell you this, nothing wrong with having hobbies either, but your hobbies shouldn't have you all the time. There's a lot of people who will spend all the free time they've got on hobbies or on work when they don't need to work all the time and forget about spending time with their children. And that's a very, very dangerous thing. And Satan lies to you and says, Well, you're the man of the house, you've got to make the money, and you need to go to work. And let now listen to me. That's that's true, that's biblical. But Satan perverts that and and you to work all the time to pay for stuff you don't really need to impress people you don't really like. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, what I'm trying to tell you is, you've got to. We've got to. I know it's busy. Believe me, man. Seems like I, sometimes I feel like I meet myself both ways. I, I, I don't even know which end is up most of the time. I'm always doing something. I get it. But we've got to take time to spend time with our children. That's how kids see love take time to spend with them. Let me give you another one touch. Time and touch. Touch. I want to give you a quote from Chuck Swindoll. Again, he's one of my favorite, favorite writers. But he says this. <clears throat> he said that many a young woman often enter into premarital, immoral sexual relationships just because she scarcely can remember a time when her father touched her. What I'm trying to say is this. You need to appropriately touch your children, hug your children. Hey, listen, nothing better for me as a father than when my kids come and give me a hug. Isn't that awesome? Just last night, my daughter, she's supposed to be 18 years old. I was laying on the couch last night, um, letting her watch TV, and before she went out with some of her friends, she came over and laid down beside me on the couch. And I thought, man, I, I, she didn't know it, but I, I, in my mind the whole time, I say, thank you, Jesus. I ain't seen this young in 11 weeks. I just hug it on her. Thanking God for, her, praying for her right there while I had my arms on her. It, it, that's, that's important. That, that, that she knows, listen, I love her. And what it means to be appropriately touched in tenderness in love. Amen. Now, now listen to me. Last night, Ellie Grace, before we went to sleep. I was watching TV. She came and did the same thing. She went to sleep in my arms on the couch, watching a show about race cars on TV. She missed out on who won the race, the last race. Had to tell her this morning. That's good good thing. It's good time. That's quality time. Now I know some of you might have these big, strong teenage boys. I've got one too. Look at this cat right here, man, these shoulders. Big old wide shoulder. Look at him. Just as thick as he can be, boy. That's a beast right there. Proud of him. He's a good young man. He acts like he don't want dead to touch him. But let me tell you what, what happened just the other day. It's, it's different with him. I don't cuddle up with Gage on the couch. <laughs> but the other day, I'm walking through the living room, not even knowing he's on the place. And he comes out of the hallway and form tackles me. I'm talking about like a Goldberg sphere onto the couch. Now, listen to me, folks. There's payback coming for that. It's going to happen when he least expects it. I'm going to put one on him. It's going to happen. I'm sitting at the ball game the other night, and he hauls off with a right hand and gives me a right hook to my ribs for no apparent reason. Payback's coming. It's going to happen when he least expects it. Touch for him looks different feels different, (laughs) but it's important, are you getting what I'm saying, time, touch, let me give you another one, tenderness, tenderness, what do I mean by that, be sympathetic for what breaks their heart, I remember man, Anna Kate, when she first started dating little boys, she broke up with this kid, and um, I I, probably eighth, seventh, eighth grade, you know, and she, I I knew it wasn't going to be a lifelong romance. I can tell that. So it didn't bother me that bad. But I tell you what, it bothered me that it bothered her. It broke my heart because it broke her heart. And that's the way it ought to be. Be sympathetic to them. Time, touch, tenderness. Man, it's so important that we show them unconditional love. They need a godly example. They need unconditional love. Let me give you number three. Listen to this. They need constant encouragement. Children need encouragement like a plant needs water. Now, I'm telling you that because a few, just last week, as many of you know, we were, we were gone all week long and nobody was there to water our plants. At the beginning of the summer, my wife went over to Fulton, Mississippi and paid the power bill for one of the nurseries over there when she went and bought the plants that went around her house. you know, And we've been trying to keep these dudes alive because we spent a lot of money on them at the beginning of the summer. And we've been watering them, and, and Ellie Grace has, keeping them watered every day. And it was looking great when we left, but when, when we got back, those plants were just drooped over like this. You know what I'm talking about? That's how they do, ain't it? When they don't have any water, when it's hot outside. So what I did was, I took the water hose, stretched it out, went over there, and, and sprayed some water in both pots. And the next morning, when I walked outside, the plants were like this. They were up like this. Look great, look lively. The same thing happens. You ever see your kids come home from school and they're like this? You ever see your kids get off the bus and they walk home like this? You ever see your kids come out of the ball game and they look like this? We all do. They need some encouragement. Now listen, praise and encouragement is two different things. Let me tell you what I mean by that. When we praise, we say things like, I tell you what, you are a fantastic athlete, and they wouldn't have won the game tonight if you hadn't caught the winning pass. I tell you what, you are just as smart as a whip, and I'm so proud of you for making straight A's. That's praise. You say, "Brother, what's wrong with that? Well, what if they don't catch the pass? What if they don't make straight A's? But they've tried as hard as they can. What about that? See, what you're teaching them, whether you realize it or not, whether they realize it or not at the time, you're teaching them that you you love them because of what they do, not because of who they are. But what if you said this? I tell you what, you may not have won the game tonight, but what I did see, you gave 110%. Every time the ball was snapped, every time the ball was served, every time the the ball was hit, you was running just as hard as you could get to get there. You you don't just praise outcome, but you encourage effort. Does that make sense? They're not always going to make straight A's. They're not always going to catch the winning pass or hit the home run. Sometimes they might and praise the Lord for that. It's good. Sometimes they won't. But when they don't, encourage them. They need encouragement daily. Let me give you another one. Not only do they need a constant example of what it means to live godly, not only do they need unconditional love and encouragement. Listen, they need a reasonable, reasonable set list of, of restrictions. And I and, and I stress reasonable. Reasonable. Look in Proverbs 6:20. Watch this. Proverbs chapter 6. Verse number 20. My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. So according to what the writer of the book of Proverbs is saying, is that in the home they had some restrictions. And we need restrictions. How many know it's important to set goals for our kids? They need to set goals. We need to teach them to do that. Matter of fact, just yesterday me and Gage were riding home and and I was talking to him about um, he's interested in technology and computers and programming and coding and all that stuff and and so i was talking to him and i said son i want to ask you something i said where do you where do you want to be when you're my age when you're 35 40 years old where do you want to be at do you want to have a home do you what kind of car do you want to drive do you want to have a family where do you want to live at what do you want when you get my age he said dad i really hadn't thought a whole lot about it i said that's okay you've got time but you need to be thinking. Think about where you want to be. And then, son, what I want you to do is start thinking about a plan on how you get from where you are to where you want to be. And then you start taking the steps to work through that plan. Amen? I want, what I'm trying to teach him is set goals and then make a plan and work the plan to reach the goal. So it's important to teach them to set goals. But let me tell you something else. We need to set some restrictions. If we don't set restrictions, they'll never know how much you love them. Does that sound weird to you? because it does to me, even though I said it. It does. But let me tell you how I know that to be true. Years ago, I guess I was probably a uh, junior, maybe a senior in high school. My curfew was at 11 o'clock. And we was all out in town, me and some of my buddies, and riding a loop like we used to do. And it was about 10:15, something like that. And one of my friends said, I tell you what, let's go out to the gravel pit. Now that's You know you're in the deep south in northwest Alabama when the highlight of your Saturday night is going out to the gravel pit. We're going out there to do some really productive things like seeing if our truck can cross a mud hole or climb a hill. He said, man, come on, let's go. It's going to be great. I said, nah, man, I can't. I said, daddy done told me I better not miss curfew. I've got to be home at 11 o'clock. And that young man said something to me. He said, well, my daddy lets me come home whenever I want. He don't care about me or what I do. He thought, if dad don't care where I am, he don't care about me. There was no restriction there. And folks, there may be a lot of truth in that. There's got to be some restrictions in your home, but they need to be reasonable. Let me give you the last one. The last one's this. Give your kids a happy home. Amen. A happy home. Man, they need a happy home. And we'll talk about how you can how you can do that. But Proverbs chapter number 50, or chapter fifteen, and look down at verse number thirteen, and we're done. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. Isn't that good? When you got a merry heart, when you got joy in your soul, you got a smile on your face. But the opposite is also true. When you've got a sorrow in your heart, then your spirit itself is broken. Parents, it's our job to provide for our children a home they enjoy. Now, how do we do that? Well, number one, dads, let me tell you something don't take yourself so serious. Don't be afraid to laugh. Don't be afraid to cut up and have a good time and be silly with your kids. That's alright. Don't be afraid to listen to the joke they have and laugh at it. It's not going to kill you. Don't, Don't be afraid to have a family game night and even if you win or lose, have a good time. Don't take yourself so serious. Let me tell you what I want for my kids. When they're 40... 50 years old, hope I live that long. When they're that old, I want them to still think that they want to come back to mom and dad's because they remember how fun it was growing up there. I want them to enjoy being in my house now. And if they enjoy being in my house now, I kind of believe they might enjoy it in the future. And they bring them grandbabies. Amen. And we'll all have a good life. Is this making sense to you? Give these kids, give your kids, our kids, these kids, these things from the word of God. And I promise you, it'll make a difference in your life. Make a difference in your parenting. Let's parent with a purpose. Next week we're going to talk about shooting straight with your kids. All right. So come back and be with us next Sunday morning. And we'll finish this thing up. I'm not going to have a time of invitation today. I'm just going to pray for you. I love you. Have you enjoyed being in the house of God today? I've enjoyed being with all of you too. Take the word of God and apply it to your heart and life this week. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for mercy and grace. I'm thankful, Lord, even though we mess up, as husbands and fathers and wives and mothers, that, Lord, your grace is sufficient. And I'm thankful, Lord, that no matter what, we can talk to you about all this stuff. I'm thankful that you listen to me when I pray for my children. And I'm thankful that you are able to do what's needed in their life. I'm asking you now, Lord Jesus, that you help us all to take your truth, apply it to our lives, and be what you've called us to be by your power, Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray for each and every parent that's in this room this morning or listening to me online, and I'm praying, God, that you encourage them as we are instructed by your truth. In Jesus' name, amen.